The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Every time a missile misses its target, a train derails, or a faulty airbag fails to save a life, we wonder whether these failures, which can sometimes reach catastrophic proportions, are caused by a counterfeit part that may have infiltrated the supply chain. Welcome to People to People, working together for your safety with host Stan Salat. Stan has the answers to your questions on protecting yourself and the safety of your loved ones, including your pets. Don't miss out. Now, here is Stan Salat. Hello and welcome to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is Counterfeit Electronics Volatile Supply Chain. In a climate of budget cuts, sequestration, shortening life cycles, and increased counterfeit risks, we can no longer address product demand through traditional life cycle management processes. Long-lasting programs demand predictable forecasts. However, as products age and face the risk of obsolete and counterfeit parts, ongoing supply and support rarely seems predictable. As a result, it is common for engineering and procurement teams to be haunting, hunting rather, hunting or hunting, for reliable sources long after a last time by or end-of-life event. Leaving critical programs vulnerable to downtime, shortages, and counterfeit electronics. Counterfeit avoidance requires a blended approach of assessing the entire program, demanding and managing the realities of a volatile supply chain while addressing the risk of individual parts involved. If the supply chain can't address today's environment, counterfeiters will remain present as a symptom of ongoing demand. Many making and detecting strategies are still in development, but won't help teams with the issues we face today. Your host, uh, I'm your host, and our guest, my guest today, is Kay Porter. We're going to be talking about ways you and your company can mitigate the risk while protecting your assets. Our show today is sponsored by our uh, Business and Quality Process Management, LLC, and Secure Components. Business and Quality Process Management, LLC, provides business process and quality management consulting, training, and software tools. The principles of BQPM led the development and implementation of the International Hazardous Substance Process Management Certification Program used by more than 4,500 manufacturers to demonstrate compliance to the European Union's restriction of hazardous substance laws and the International Counterfeit Avoidance Certification Program. To learn more about 
the work that BQPM does and how they can help your company, visit their website at www.bqpm.com. Secure Components, LLC, an independent distributor specializing in obsolete and hard-to-find components. Secure Components is the first company in the world to achieve international certification for their counterfeit detection mitigation process controls. Their international IECQ CAP certification was achieved in accordance with the SAE AS 6081 standards. When you need uh, when you need to find high quality obsolete or hard to find components, you want secure components on your team. To learn more about what secure components can do for you, visit their website at www.securecomponents.com. Today's guest, uh, Miss Kay Porter. Kay is passionate about uh, bringing collaboration and cross-industry dialogue uh, to the issue of legacy and obsolete, obsolescence, obsolescence management for a long-lasting embedded system. She works closely with business leaders and industry practitioners across academia, defense, and commercial sectors. Kay has presented at the SMTA Calci Counterfeit West and East ERAI, SMTA International, and DMS-MS on the subject of counterfeit avoidance in long-term embedded technology for the commercial, uh, medical, and military industries. Her work has been featured in media, trade journals, such as Military Embedded, Microtechnology Europe, and the RMS uh, Partnership Journal. I am excited and pleased to have Kay join me on the show today, and I think you'll find as we, t- as we discuss uh, the things that Kay does, how she does them, and some of the issues that she faces on a day-to-day basis, you'll find that she is an expert, a guru, and um, well-respected in industry for dealing with these issues. Uh, Kay, I believe you're with me on the uh, on the air now. I am. Hello, Stan, and thank you for having me. Oh, you're quite welcome. I'm uh, I'm very pleased to have you and excited about our uh, our discussion today. Oh, good. Me too. And uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that we can actually go back and still use the word word haunting because counterfeits may haunt us all for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly been haunting me for a while. So uh, I think that's why I I trip over that word every once in a while. Well, you know, I'm going to go back and you know actually put that in my copy for the future because I'm sure they've haunted a lot of us. <laughs> yes. Let's let's begin, if you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got an extensive amount of experience in this, in this, uh, in the industry, in the issues that we're talking about. So, if you would give our audience an understanding of the, let's start by giving an understanding of the the service that your company provides, and just how this all comes together from the standpoint of, 
you're now in the middle of haunting, I mean, hunting. <laughs> so go for it. <laughs> well, uh, I'll say that, uh, that counterfeits uh, haunt us every day. Um, what we actually do, GDCA, is we specialize in sort of the legacy management and obsolescence management for both uh, commercial off-the-shelf embedded boards, as well as uh, custom designs. And these are boards that, you know, a certain select of the industry, you know, commercial, medical, defense, manufacturing, transportation, the thing is, is that the customers who need them rely on them because they're tested and proven. However, for many reasons, say counterfeits included, um, they are no longer available by the original manufacturer or the original manufacturer uh, would prefer not to be able to, not to have to support them because it really takes a different way of managing the product as it ages. So we will actually continue the manufacturer repair, support, sourcing, testing, um, so that when a customer orders the board, they're buying a new board that um, they know has been put together and tested as opposed to something that may have been sitting on a shelf for who knows how long. Okay. When when you use the term board, you're talking about the electronic uh, printed circuit boards, or is it a whole system? Um, you know, we actually do sort of the board, the electronic computing board, so, you know, whether it's like a VME or VPX architecture for the engineers on the uh, on the program, but um, it could be backplanes. Um, it could be several boards within a system. There are systems where we're actually, you know, supporting several of the boards that then go into the larger box that then get integrated into whatever it is the end user is actually using. Okay. And you do this nationally, internationally, or uh, this is international. So we have, uh, we do have our main presence in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area in Livermore, um, where all of our stuff is manufactured in the United States. However, um, we have customers, you know, Europe, Asia. Um, you know, we have several distributors in other countries, and so that's one of the ways that we can also do this for. Uh, customers who are not here in the United States but still rely on sort of the manufacturing and, you know, testing and, you know, counterfeit avoidance that we try and integrate. Very good. Let's talk a bit about the component life cycle shortening. Um, As some of us know and, and some of us suspect, there's a driving factor in the growing commercial market um, things that impact in various ways what we consider obsolete, what we don't consider obsolete. Um, and if you could talk about that a bit and how that applies to the supply chain. Certainly. So if we were to just break it up into really three easy categories, you know, a lot of times we talk about sort of the commercial market driving uh, component life cycles. And when we talk components, we're talking about like integrated circuits, you know, semiconductors, things like that. Um, and they're kind of a small piece in the chain, but they're certainly a big piece when it comes to knowing how to manage them. So if we're going to break it up, we say, you know, on the long end, say we have defense, aerospace, you know, something that may require upwards of 30 years of support. 
And then we have what we often know as the commercial market. And the commercial market has been sort of driving the shortening of life cycles so far. Uh, you know, they could be medical applications. They could be, you know, long-lasting computer systems, things like that. However, now what we're also seeing is with the recession, with the growing focus on consumer electronics, uh, we're seeing grades of components that really their life cycle only lasts 18 months. And while... Um, you know, certainly someone wouldn't necessarily integrate a, a commercial, a consumer electronic chip into an MRI machine or, you know, a, a missile defense system. Uh, when it comes to sort of how the businesses can be structured with what it's profitable to focus on, the support for military systems is shortening. They're do- making less components for that grade. They're making more consumer and commercial, but then that means the technology that's available isn't necessarily as rugged and we're seeing more rapid life cycles because they're going to make more money if they have something focused to upgrade every two years versus every 20 years. So we've actually seen um, sort of the drive in the consumer electronics, shortening life cycles, making components less available, um, driving more component manufacturers to end of life more often, And then, you know, we're seeing legislation such as REACH, uh, which you actually mentioned with their sponsors, uh, the conflict minerals, that kind of thing, also creating waves of obsolescence uh, similar to the way Rojas did. So, you know, the supply chain is becoming much more volatile. The materials are changing. And if you need components that last a long time, we're seeing some programs where you're seeing obsolescence before it even hits production. Yeah, there's, there's, um, this kind of takes me back a number of years and looking at my own career and where it's taken me. Uh, as a component engineer many years ago, we used to deal with ceramic package parts. We dealt with what was referred to as high reliability parts. Um, designs were typically in the five five to ten year life cycle. And one of the points you made is, uh, or alluded to, is when you look at some of that type of industry, and particularly defense aerospace, and to some degree even the medical, it could take as much as five years to get a product or a um, a unit, depending on what it was used for, but uh, a unit approved for use. Mm-hmm. Now, you're suggesting, or not suggesting, but you're saying that with the transition to the commercial off the shelf and the drive towards consumer, and we would never admit to the fact that consumer market has a very short life <laughs> uh, development to end of life. <laughs> right. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> so I guess where I'm going with this is this is actually getting designed into the process. I mean, realistically, it, it's not our father's Mustang. Uh, unfortunately, the the problem is that it's not getting designed into the process, and this is where it sort of comes back around to the the uh, counterfeits. The thing is, is a lot of the engineers now they're on incredibly tight design times themselves. You know, they're 
they're being pushed to come out with the latest and greatest, you know, whatever it is. In the defense industry, you know, we're trying to compete with overseas manufacturers who have growing skill. In the medical industry as well, you know, we're trying to stay on top of what we need to do sort of as a nation and as an industry to stay competitive. So a lot of times the component engineers are also on compressed you know, life cycles of right. their own design. So what they're going to do is they're going to go with a component that they know because they know how it works, they know how it functions, and everything may not be documented, but, you know, when it comes to that sort of, you know, Mustang, you know that if it's winter, you got to, like, push the gas pedal twice, and then it'll rev up, and you don't have to spend, you know, that, that time waiting for the heating blanket. It's not documented, but they know it because they've used it, except now that as they turn to the reliable components they're already partway into their life cycle. And then by the time they do the R&D and design, and then by the time they get it through the FDA or they get it through the whatever certifi- certifying body, um, if the, the clock is already running out and in the worst case, they've already hit an end-of-life notice that they may or may not have even received depending on whether you know it gets lost in the mail or they bought it through a distributor and it hasn't sort of reached them yet. So it ends up being a case where they're dealing with a fire before they even already got the product out. Yes. And um, I guess when I was referring to the life cycle piece of this, I was actually referring to the um, the original component manufacturers who are actually designing for an 18-month 18, 18 or less life mm. cycle. Yeah. Uh, because technology just keeps changing. It does, it does, and it's evolving, and, you know, we're seeing, you know, various disruptive technologies, you know, that are incredibly, you know, wonderful in what they bring to our lives, but at the same time, you know, the the shift to solid state, you know, for example, if more people use solid state in various applications, you know, you're not even then trying to deal with components, you're trying to do obsolescence management on this entire unit, Um so, you know, we're certainly seeing that. And one of the things that we talk about because we sort of work on the board and system is we kind of have what we call the waterfall effect where, you know, the component goes end of life and then maybe the OEM, the original manufacturer, has, you know, stocked enough for the demand that they know that they can guarantee. And so then once they start running out of that stock, you know, they end of life the board. And then the board rolls up into the system. And so it ends up being this kind of cascade of end of life down the line. And when that chain works well, you know, everybody might know along the way, but then you get those customers that are going to keep coming back because there is no option to upgrade. And then you start getting the second and third last time by because, you know, how do you predict forever? <laughs> right. You know, that people take care of both the hard demand that they have the orders on the shelf, but then they also right. have to look at sort of the forecast demand as well, what might we actually have to support? Well, let's... let's um take a quick break here or a short break and then when we come back let's talk about that a bit more how how do you forecast (laughs) this is this is stan salat you're listening to people to people working together for your safety we're going to take a short break we'll be right back don't go away Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Secure Components is proud to be the first independent distributor certified to the Department of Defense adopted AS6081 Counterfeit Avoidance Standard. 
Our clients view us as partners in counterfeit avoidance because we share our source of supply. We have earned their trust to procure electronic and mechanical components specifically when their requirements are obsolete or unavailable from authorized sources. Visit securecomponents.com today to learn why the largest aerospace defense and technology companies in the world partner with Secure Components. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is People to People, working together for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to Stan at stansalot.com. Again, that's Stan at stansalot.com. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is about counterfeit electronics and the volatile supply chain. As I have mentioned earlier, we're in a climate of budget cuts, sequestration, shortened life cycles, and increased counterfeit risks. We can no longer address product demand through traditional life cycle management processes. Long-lasting programs demand predictable forecast. However, a as uh, however as product products age and face the risk of obsolete and counterfeit parts, ongoing supply and support rarely seem predictable. Uh, my guest today is Kay uh, Porter, and Kay is with and help me out again. That's GDS. GDCA. G- GDCA. Well, good I design get close. continued always. <laughs> Didn't get close to that one. Oh, that's okay. Uh, that's why I'm here for you, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I do appreciate that, and uh, you know, hopefully the company won't be too upset with me today. <laughs> well, I won't tell. <laughs> okay, that works. So you were talking about some of the issues before we took a break. So if I could have you jump back into that place. Okay. Well, let me let me kind of start with sort of the the forecast because it ends up being a huge a huge piece and that sort of folds into um some of the legislation that we're seeing. 
I, I need to stop you for mm-hmm. just a second. Those of us that have been in manufacturing and the world of industry of, of that type, the word forecast. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I just need to tickle you a little bit here. Is there truly ever a real forecast on this? <laughs> well, you know, there's there's lots of different kinds of forecast and you know, I, I kind of allude to it. We did a we did a newsletter recently where I, every time we try and include a comic and you know, this year is, you know, a guy holding cringing behind a dartboard as someone's, you know, throwing a dart at right. it and you know, Fred says he always hates when it's time to try and predict the forecast. <laughs> so oh, okay. there's lots of forecasts. Um when we talk about forecast, you know, we, we try and figure out what do we need to plan for. So when right. we do a manufacture, you know, the customer is looking for new boards. We don't pre-stock because in that sense, the demand is, is volatile. You know, you have customers with unexpected follow-on demand, but then right. you also have customers where they have the current demand that they're aware of, except they haven't really thought about, oh, if I'm doing foreign sales, I didn't think about how much that might be. Or once I've done foreign sales, like how long am I going to be expected to repair it? Because just as I installed it or sold it to another country, you know, I didn't plan for the repairs and spares when it comes to they're going to send things back for repairs. And how do I take care of that in a climate where there's, you know, counterfeit electronics and obsolescence? And, you know, time has already started running out for a lot of these people because the parts may not exist anymore depending on how old things are. Right. So there is a forecast, and, you know, at GDCA, that's part of what we actually do with the customer is instead of just, you know, can you build us 20, you know, every year, we actually, because our supply chain degrades by the time it gets to us, we'll ask the questions like, how long are you expecting to be deploying systems, you know, what is the earliest you think that repairs will stop? And, you know, those two questions can often sort of float up unexpected demand where they thought that they were just dealing with it out to 2019, but when they think about, you know, phase two deployment or they think about, you know, warranty repairs, it turns out that they're actually going to need something, you know, support out to 2024. And when you're planning from, you know, 2014 to 2019, you know, you can do one set of actions, but if you're actually planning out to 2024 or 2039, then you really have to approach your sourcing and your supply chain management and your, you know, how do you evaluate what is risk <clears throat> completely differently. So my my approach with the Ouija board won't make me much money. <laughs> well, <laughs> Is that what I, you're hey telling man, me? I'm not going to knock the Ouija. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it will help us. <laughs> uh, th- this this is really, I mean, it's significant when you stop and think about it because in some cases you're talking about life-critical equipment. Mm-hmm. The, the type of stuff that our military uses um, the airplanes I fly in far mm-hmm. too much of my life. So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is you know, if you have a critical medical system, if you make any changes, you're going to have to run it through the FDA. And at that point, mm-hmm. as we kind of addressed earlier, 
you're probably going to start time running out before you even get it approved. And right. certainly with defense systems, I mean, you know, the F-35 is a prime example. You know, when did it start and is it really even in production yet? <laughs> it's still kind of trying to, I mean, it's getting off the ground. I know people who fly them. They're great planes. But, you know, right. every year we hear about another thing before they could do the first actual install block. <laughs> yes. Yes, they're still doing testing, as I recall. From, <laughs> I think it was a 60-minute uh, uh, episode that they ran. That A lot of people have some, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people. There are a number of them out there that are being flown, but they're still in a test mode. They are still in a test mode. And if you think, you know, I believe the... It started what early two thousands, mm-hmm. you know. So we we could, at twenty fourteen. That's already you know maybe say ten years on some of the electrical systems for like guidance or radar or you know life support system. There are electronics in there that you probably can't find in the supply chain anymore. Speaking of that, there was uh, part of part of the issue they had with it had to do with magnets. Hmm which you would think would be straightforward, but it turns <laughs> out that uh, they already faced a obsolescence problem with just something what seems simple uh, to be a magnet. You so. know, I, I've found, you know, uh, whether it's my phone or whether it's, uh, you know, aerospace system, when it comes to obsolescence, there's nothing, there's nothing simple. Uh, you know, there was a case where one component changed, uh, you know, they changed where they manufactured a component from, you know, one place in the country to another right. place in the country. And in the process, they retooled and, you know, it was a millimeter thicker. But that mm-hmm. millimeter made a difference as to whether or not it would fit in the space it was designed for. So, you know, on the one hand, yeah, it really is a drop-in replacement. And maybe for a lot of customers it is. But for that one customer who needed that millimeter space, it wasn't an option. Right. So then you have so, a whole materials list you have to manage that you can only you know buy the component if it was produced in the factory in one area of the country, but not anywhere else. With with that in mind, and obviously that creates a an open door, if you will, or an opportunity for what we currently refer to as counterfeit, which. You know, there's a lot of ways to define the term counterfeit these days. <laughs> um, counterfeits, knockoffs, uh, there's the part where somebody's just trying to defraud uh, mm. a, a person or a company or an organization. What, what all do you have to do to manage that? Or, you know, what types of things do you do to guard against the unwanted so-called counterfeit components? Well, one of the things that we have to do is we actually have to source a board before we can manufacture it. You know, in the old days of, you know, longer life cycles, if someone gave us a PO, you know, we were pretty reasonably sure that we could, you know, wrestle up the supply chain, you know, shake things down. You might end up with a non-conforming part or two, but... You know, I think everyone was a little more naive in sort of, you know, how bad things were. But, you know, over time, we started seeing more and more issues. And, you know, 
we started seeing things where it wasn't just the occasional bad part or, oops, you know, we threw the wrong one into your batch, you know, sorry, guys, you know, when we did it. So now we've had to, you know, create an extensive uh, what we call our CAP, you know, program, which is our counterfeit avoidance policy. And some of that means that we actually have to source and test the parts before we can even tell the customer whether or not we can manufacture the board or how many we can manufacture. Um, You know, we've been doing this for almost 30 years, and we have a pretty extensive supply chain of people who specialize in this kind of stuff. So, and, And sometimes they'll be like, hey, we had someone actually just release a stock they have. Do you want us to buy it? You know, so sometimes things will show up, but the thing is, is we can't guarantee that that supply chain is going to look the same from week to week, much less year to year. So, you know, we'll test and we'll verify and we'll make sure that we have good components and then we'll kind of sit back and look at all the information and identify where the risk is. And we have to do all of that before we can even tell the customer what the reality is going to be. So that's part of what we've had to do. And we have to do this, you know, if you buy 100 components, you know, we can't guarantee that, oh, no, they're only going into a military application, so those are the ones you really have to test. I mean, that wouldn't be, you know, that wouldn't be responsible, much less, you know, good business practice. So we when we, we don't take possession of anything until it's been tested or until, you know, we have all the paperwork that goes with it. Because we can't guarantee, you know, it could just be going into someone's refrigerator. You know, that would be awesome. If something happens, <laughs> eh, well, that really sucks. There's spoiled milk. But right. the thing is, is that, you know, do does anybody want to roll those die? You know, so we actually have to test everything no matter what customer we're taking possession for. Uh, I guess... You mentioned that the, the the business has been there for 30 years. Um, you've seen the transition from ceramic high reliability to uh, plastic uh, commercial off the shelf. Mm-hmm. I guess you've also seen the supply chain go from Europe and the U.S. to other parts of the world. We we have seen, um, you know, and it's been interesting, the, the fact that I get to talk to a lot of different people is one of the things I love about my job. You know, I recently was trying to dig up the information about where are the majority of semiconductors manufactured, you know, because people were like, oh, don't buy from China. So, you know, just out of a whim, I was like, well, how much is actually produced in China? And I reached out to several different organizations, and the answer I got was that, well, what part of the semiconductor do you mean? And this right. isn't really a straightforward because, you know, you could have, say, the substrate, you know, produced somewhere and the, the dye produced someplace else and, you know, everything. And then it all ends up going to one factory in order to, you know, be assembled. So the supply chain is a lot more diffused than I think anyone is really aware of unless they're kind of working in that piece where they're assembling materials here and then they're shipping materials there and they're assembling materials here and everybody's switched to lean and just in time, which is great for new things, you know, assuming you don't have a tsunami. Um, right. But certainly when you get to end of life and obsolescence, you know, you're, you're basically just setting yourself up for huge amounts of costs and risk and downtime. 
but you know the the supply chain we're going to go back to it's not your you know grandpa's mustang where everything was made and assembled right here in the united states and you know they could say hey was at that factory we got the metal produced now it's like well you know it could have been a batch from korea it could have been a batch from someplace else i don't know I remember a car I bought once that uh, was actually manufactured in Canada. Mm. Uh, it was assembled in Canada, I should say. We, My wife and I bought it when we lived in Germany. It came <laughs> through Brussels. By the time we got it, uh, then we brought it back to the U.S. And every time I went to buy parts for it, I found myself in a real dilemma because I could only get parts from either Canada or Brussels. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And you're right. Um, I also, in my own career, I spent some time doing a, internal audits or actually third-party audits for uh, companies like Intel. And to see a total product made, we would wind up going to several countries. Mm-hmm. It's the only way you could actually see a semiconductor that was a completed unit. Right, and you go to all of those countries and, you know, even for good components, you know, and sort of like here's where the nightmare, you know, really sort of comes up, you know, even for good components, they may have been originally made to mil-spec, they may not have passed mil-spec testing, they may have been downgraded to commercial, so the, you know, the OCM, the component manufacturer may have, you know, done a remark to say, hey, these are downgraded. They would probably, you know, this is an example that uh, Phil Zuletta uh, with the G19 gave at one of the mm-hmm. conferences, you know, where like that would be considered a counterfeit part. And, right. you know, if you've bought the part five years ago, you know, and say it was end of life, you know, three years before that, if you try and reach the original manufacturer and say, hey, is this something that you guys updated or is this something that may be fraudulent or counterfeit, you know, they're going to say, hey, man, if you didn't buy it from us, uh, we can't tell you because we're not going to guarantee the quality of anything that's sort of left our hands. So you could have a perfectly good part. You could have a part that now you need to quarantine. And now there's a perfectly good part that may need to be quarantined and reported because just nobody knows the like the validity of it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really a mess out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and so that's sort of where we come back with, you know... It, Talking to some of the the component manufacturers, you know, on the defense side of things, on the manufacturing side of things, a lot of people are going to say, hey, this is production. This is an engineering problem. We need to be able to, you know, come up with a standard mark. Good luck getting all the OCMs to adapt to standard mark. Okay, we're going to have to mark it, you know, once it leaves the OCM. Well, now we're dealing with human error. You know, they don't know. Everybody's going to test, well, what's your statistical sample? Now you've marked, you know, 10,000 components, but you, you know, sampled 100. So, you know, where we come from in sort of the trenches that we're working with, we have to look at it as a supply chain problem and and manage it from that spec because everything's falling apart before it even comes to us. And we haven't even gotten into marking and testing yet on the components we're dealing with. Like, this is like point forward. Hey, that would be great. (laughs) By the time it gets to us, maybe there will be a standard. (laughs) Um, I would not be holding my my breath personally. (laughs) I work in the development of standards, and they they never come in on time. They, They... (laughs) <laughs> Generally, we don't have budgets, so that's not an issue. Uh, okay, we, okay. 
We need to take a short break and do radio station identification. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products. Yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. Secure Components is proud to be the first independent distributor certified to the Department of Defense adopted AS6081 Counterfeit Avoidance Standard. Our clients view us as partners in counterfeit avoidance because we share our source of supply. We have earned their trust to procure electronic and mechanical components specifically when their requirements are obsolete or unavailable from authorized sources. Visit SecureComponents.com today to learn why the largest aerospace defense and technology companies in the world partner with Secure Components. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is People to People, working together for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to Stan at StanSalat.com. Again, that's Stan at StanSalat.com. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is about counterfeit electronics, volatile supply chain. Uh, we're in the third segment of our show today, and as usual, we wind up running out of time. My guest, Kay Porter, and I have been talking about counterfeit uh components, counterfeit materials, and what it takes for a company to manage that process to support the customers and the companies that need uh, to deal with, if you will, the, the end-of-life buys and so on and so forth. So I'm going to jump right back into the show here. Uh, Kay, I, I, I hope you're still out there. I, I am. Don't worry. I'm now, not going anywhere. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> outstanding. Um. We've been having a great time talking about a lot of pieces, and there's uh, two more pieces I'd like to to try and get us to touch on at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first one is the regulations or directives from around the world dealing with the Rojas uh, programs like REACH and conflict materials. These are all uh, things that are being addressed by various countries. 
How does that impact what you're doing in your business? Um, so the thing is, is you know, we're really looking at um, sort of a, an echo of what happened. I believe it was in 2009 when we saw Rojas, where basically a huge swath of um, components, you know, therefore boards, therefore other things, were end of life because they could no longer manufacture products with lead. Um, with the exclusion of uh, military and medical. And I believe that the medical sort of grandfather clause is running out. So, you know, look out medical industry. I believe you're going to have to start dealing with tin. Um, So, first of all, it created a huge wave of end of life, which will destabilize the supply chain if you're dealing with legacy systems because now the clock has started and you're running out. Um, Now, it also has a couple of other issues. When it comes to counterfeit testing and detection, you're now dealing with um, a mix issue. So you're going to get a part. It's going to say that it's Rojas, um, and you're going to test it, and it's going to have a certain amount of lead. It's going to have a certain amount of other materials, uh, and you have to identify whether that's the right recipe for the component that you're looking for. Because if you do an x-ray test, it may look fine, but you do a, a detection test, then it turns out that actually it's not fine because it's not Rojas compliant or it is Rojas compliant. Um, so with sort of the conflict minerals and the reach, again, you're reducing the kinds of materials that are available. You're seeing more components switching from gold to copper, not an issue right. except like with the switch from lead tin to lead, you're going to have different properties, and the drop-in replacement may interact with legacy software just enough that, you know, now it doesn't work with the software. Maybe the software doesn't register it, or you try and do a decap, and all of a sudden the copper is eaten through, and you now have a dead part that you can't tell whether or not it was good. Um, you know, underperforming product lines, they won't even bother updating the recipe. They'll just say, well, there's not enough demand for us to go through the R&D to figure out how to switch that one to copper, so we're just going to cut it off. Again, creating obsolescence. So it's going to, one, destabilize the supply chain in what is available, and two, it's going to create issues down the road because if you're looking for the one version, (laughs) that one millimeter difference here, right? You're looking for the one version that was still made with gold before they switched to copper because copper changes, you know, some other property in the recipe. It's like all of a sudden you've added oil instead of egg, you know, and, and lots of people who do vegan cooking or do, you know, swapping cooking, they may know what else they're supposed to add in order to make the oil work right. But for those of us who, who need egg, because that's right. what we're making, um, you're going to have a hard time. And again, you're then going to have to go find, you know, the right needle in the haystack that's actually going to fit with what it is you're baking. That, that's a Thanksgiving so, illusion there. You know, I have to yeah. get it, slip it in. <laughs> I think well, I found very well. <laughs> now, now I'm hungry. <laughs> Um, so the reality is that as we and and I guess this is true just in general as things change uh, depending on the changes it it throws in one more parameter to have to be managed it throws in one more parameter that has to be managed and this is one of the things why we're really working with our customers to to really wash up the forecast and the need because 
you know, there are things that we can do right now if we know that we're going to have 20 years on the hook, you know. We can pre-stock more, and then you can start the engineering to figure out how you're going to solve for these problems that you can already predict. I mean, if you already know that the materials are going to change, you can start playing with it, you know, and try and have that solution in place as opposed to, oh, man, now we can't find any of the ones that we need. Now we're going to have to deal with downtime as we pull all of our good engineers in in order to get the plane off the ground. And, you know, if you've checked out any of the, the DMEA sort of is the, the, the rule of thumb for how much things cost and how long things take, um, you know, we've kind of verified it with some of the engineers we know. But, you know, for one ASIC, you could be looking at, you know, $2.5 million for redesign and assuming you can get it out in a year. You know, and that's with yes. people who actually know how to, you know, what they're doing. They're specialists. So, you know, that's why we're really trying to let people know that this is a problem coming up so that we can start planning not only for how are you going to detect it, but how are you going to support it because, you know, the supply chain is falling apart as we speak. In, in our current environment of turn on a dime and give nine and a half cents change, uh, the idea of forecasting and long-range planning is uh, uh, almost a contradiction. <laughs> it, it really is, you know, and, and it ends up sort of being a drum that we try and, and, you know, beat because, you know, let's make the plan for the worst case that say you are on the hook to 2040. You know, if we come up with that plan, you know, you can always scale it back. It's kind of like you can always cut cloth, you know, back if you cut it too large. You know, there are things that you can do. I mean, nobody wants to be sort of holding the bag on 10 years of unneeded material. Um, but, you know, if you at least have the plan in place, you know, you can always sort of recalibrate. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to add length to a rope. <laughs> exactly. And nobody <laughs> wants to be kicked you know, off the cliff. <laughs> no. Ha- having a 100-foot rope and a 150-foot cliff, uh, something does not work very well. No. And, and again, like if you're dealing with counterfeits, you know, you're just, you're really living, you know, you're walking an edge into dangerous territory that, you know, maybe six months of planning could have accounted for how you're going to deal with the ultimate eventuality. You know, when it comes to obsolescence, everything is going to disappear. Everything becomes obsolete. So, you know, if you know you're dealing with gravity, how do you start planning for that, you know, extra 50 feet? All right. One last question, mm-hmm. and this one, uh, this one might be a bit of a challenge, but we know from discussions with the United Nations and with the International Chamber of Commerce that counterfeiting overall is on a tremendous growth path. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the ICC, the International Chamber of Commerce, is predicting that counterfeit uh, products, and this is in general counterfeit products, will reach a $1.7 trillion revenue in 2015 or by the end of 2015. And when I talk about it this way, I'm really talking about everything from handbags to Levi jeans to Gucci bags, uh, you name it, uh, movie videos, just literally everything that's out there, including the components. I'm curious if there 
there's a correlation or how does the overall counterfeiting that's going on um, affect your business? Or are they really two separate things going on? Um, I would say uh, there are similarities and there are differences. You know, the similarity being that whether you're talking about uh, counterfeit handbags, counterfeit medication, counterfeit components, you know, it really sort of is an innovative way, you know, and I feel weird using the word innovative, but, you know, somebody (laughs) out there got the big idea that there's this demand that I can meet. You know, people want Gucci bags. People want components. People want, you know, this, you know, a flea thing for cats. You know, I've seen counterfeit seaweed and counterfeit wine, you know. Yes. So it's meeting a need. Um, And in the electronics industry, you know, it can be fatal. Um, And we get things like if you go on LinkedIn, if you really want to scare yourself, you know, you can go on LinkedIn and find people asking for 10,000 components. You know, I mean, bless LinkedIn. I love it. But, you know, that sounds like a risky business practice, you know, just the way that you might know that, you know, going downtown to a bad section of town and buying a handbag is not going to get you a good handbag. So in that respect, you know, certainly understanding that if you're, if you're looking for something that's too good to be true, it may be too good to be true, you know, whether you're buying a component or something else, you know, and then certainly having those conversations, having the relationships, you know, so that you know sort of who you're dealing with and being willing to ask the hard questions and understanding that price and quality often do not correlate. And if you're dealing with something that's ultimately going to save someone's life, are you really looking for the cheapest price or are you looking for something that you know is going to work? Um, I'm not too worried about my handbag, uh, right. Though, honestly, I don't want it to fall apart. I want 10 years out of my handbag. I'm one of those people. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to risk, you know, sending that, putting that in an MRI machine because that machine may one day be detecting, you know, cancer that could have saved someone's life. Right. Well, I hate to say it, Kay, but we're out of time. Uh, perhaps I can uh, talk you into coming back for another show. I would love to. Okay. Um, it's been a pleasure I really do thank you for being on the show and uh, we'll look forward to having you back people to people working together for your safety is dedicated to bringing people together to share knowledge and create a safer work uh, safer environment for us all if you have a question agree or disagree with the information we are sharing please send me an email with your comments or questions, stan at stansalot.com. You can also reach me on Twitter. That's at stansalotjr, jr for junior. That's at stansalotjr. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Business and Quality uh, Process Management and Secure Components. Again, Business and Quality Process Management provides uh, business and quality consulting training, and software applications for managing your business. Secure Components, uh, the first company in the world to achieve the international certification for their counterfeit detection and mitigation program, 
they're the folks you want to talk to for obsolete, finding obsolete or hard to find components. You can find them at www.securecomponents.com. You can find business and quality process management at www.bqpm. Uh, just real quickly, uh, Kay, I know you're still out there. Your company's uh, website, and we didn't mention that. <laughs> well, uh, we're, we're pretty straight up and simple, uh, www.gdca, and uh, it's good designs continued always, not the, the Great Danes of uh, America. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd like to also recognize uh, the staff that make it all work. Our show is brought to you over the Voice America uh, radio station. Uh, Brandy Jackson is our general manager. Robert Cellino, executive producer. Randy Jackman, production manager. Jeff, Jeffrey Gerstel is our director of host services. I count on Yulia Coach, coach branding and people-to-people production manager. She helps me keep all this working. As I sign off, thank you for joining me on People to People Working Together for Your Safety. Remember, change only happens when people come together and work together. Your help in the fight against the proliferation of hazardous substances and counterfeiting of consumer products could save a life. Until next week, I'm your host, Stan Slott, wishing you a safe and healthy life and a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening. Please join host Stan Salat for next week's edition of People to People, working together for your safety. We'll have another show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a safe, toxic, and counterfeit-free week. 